Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope your day is going well. Wherever you're at in the world, we appreciate you hanging out with us. I don't know, maybe you're driving down the road, maybe you're on a plane, maybe you're cooking dinner, maybe you're on the treadmill going for a run, or whatever you're up to, really do appreciate you being here. Whether you're a brand new speaker, you're just getting started, or for you, maybe you've been doing this for a little while, and uh, you're trying to figure out how to continue to grow and scale your business, we hope the show will help you and benefit you in some way. So again, really do appreciate you listening. Hey, before we get into today's guest, I want to quickly mention to you, Every single week, we do a free online live training teaching you all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So we walk through the Speaker Success Roadmap, a five-step process to help you find and book paid speaking engagement. So if you haven't already, we'd love for you to register for that. Come hang out with us sometime. We also spend some time doing live Q&A. So if you have questions that you would like for me to answer that you just feel stuck in your business at any stage of your business, then definitely you'll want to register for this. Again, you can find that over at freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com and check that out. All right. So today we're talking with my friend, Carrie Wilkerson. And uh, that name may sound familiar because we actually had Carrie on uh, actually just a couple of months ago, back in episode 109. So if you want to check that out, episode 109, we talk with Carrie. Great conversation there. And actually, she pitched me on like, hey, here's a topic we should talk about that I've been having a lot of success with. And as soon as we finished the last interview, I was like, that sounds great. We should definitely do that. I think this would be a big win. So in today's conversation, we talk about how she has really built a good system and strategy for taking one speaking engagement and turning it, A, into multiple speaking engagements or into some type of consulting client. We also talk about which types of clients and industries this strategy works best for, how to determine pricing when you're putting together a package that includes multiple options offers of multiple speaking engagements or consulting or coaching. And we talk about how she does that. We also talk about how to determine the needs of a client so you know exactly what to offer them. We talk about why research matters whenever you're putting together some type of package deal for them. And we also talk about why relationships are so important in this business and how Carrie has built them. So a uh, great conversation with my friend, Carrie Wilkerson. Let's get right into it. And uh, here you go. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast today. I'm joined by my delightful friend, Miss Carrie Wilkerson, who has already prepped me and warned me that she's feeling quite sassy today, which is like par for the course with her. But she said she's going to lay it on extra thick. So <laughs> buckle up, Buttercup. We've got an interesting show ahead of us. I'm, I'm anticipating here. So Miss Carrie, how are you today? Can you confirm your sassiness levels? Well, sassy is every day, probably. Today is one of those days I really don't want to be working. I told you the weather is nasty and gray and cold here where I am. And so today is one of those days that we just have to suck it up, buttercup, and do it anyway. So what happens when I have to push through a day like that is I'm really impatient with other people that whine or complain or moan about how hard life is. So 
have my lamp on full blast in my face, extra vitamin D, extra caffeine, and my diffuser with some citrus bliss. Every window is thrown open for extra light and I'm ready to go. Ready or not, here we go. I can confirm we got the video on here. You can't see her, but she's got this like gallon size mug of Starbucks that she's holding that looks ginormous. So she's uh, caffeinated too, in addition to the sassiness. So that's, that's a, a lethal, interesting combination. So, all right. So we just had you on recently on episode 109. We will link up to that and encourage people to check that out to hear more of your story and more of your journey. After we finished recording that, we kind of just talked through how you built your business, how you kind of balance work life and that all those pieces. And then afterwards, you're like, you know, one thing that I've been having a lot of success with is going to speak at an event and leveraging that event and turning it into additional multiple gigs or turning it into a consulting gig or some type of retainer client. I really like this. I want to talk more about this. So we scheduled to have you back on and have you, in fact, I think you might actually be the first repeat guest that we've had. What? trouble as you give me for being sassy and then you're going to bring me back. I, I know, love this, it. The ratings, are, the numbers are through the roof every every time you're on. So <laughs> you, you could be a recurring guest perhaps. Um, there you go. So let's talk about this and we'll dive into it a little bit more. Kind of explain what you mean by this where you go speak somewhere and then it turns into something more. Because I think so many speakers, we're built on kind of this one-off mentality of just one gig after the next gig, after the next gig, after the next gig. But if each one of those gigs can turn into something more that makes life a heck of a lot simpler in a lot of different ways. So kind of talk us about what your experience has been so far with that. And then we'll dig into it a little bit more. Yeah. So let's use this podcast as an example. It occurs to me that I did the very same thing to you. This is true. This is true. Right? Instead of just one podcast, like, Hey, I can come back. And I actually, I'm a recurring guest on four podcasts. So why would I necessarily host my own or, you know, do one of my own events when I can borrow OPA, right? Other people's audiences and be a recurring guest and provide value there. So that's automatically four podcasts that I'm a recurring guest on, which is great for lead generation and those kind of things. So as I was being invited back to do those things, I thought, how can I translate this on stage? And you and I have several speaker buddies that were talking about, oh, so-and-so just booked me for his tour. Oh, so-and-so, um, she has booked me to come back every year for the last three years. And I actually do have a couple of events in my hometown, actually, where I've done the same gig four years in a row. And before I leave the gig, I say, hey, do you have next year's date? I just assume they want me back. I just assume that's what it's going to be. And then I will also say, "And what else do you have and what else do you know of? So that's easier when it's kind of those super familiar things. But all of a sudden, bigger clients, when I'm talking to them, it occurred to me that my frustration in my market was that they were hiring these big, big name speakers with these big, big books. And they were coming in for 30 to 90 minutes. They were doing their whole big dog and pony show, which may or may not be effective. And then they were leaving. It was a very hit and run approach. So as someone who really believes we can make a difference, that frustrated me. I thought that's, you know, 40 or 50 grand, probably they just dropped on that plus the book buy. They didn't have a connection with that person. There's no ongoing with that person. And that person really doesn't even know a lot about that business. So I started having this conversation. I started with one conversation. They called me, said, we want to come have you speak. And I listened and I said, that would be great. And I would love to speak with your organization. However, here's what I know that's going on in your organization right now. Here's what I'm familiar about that's going on in your sales force right now. And as much as I would love 
to come and speak, I don't know that that's going to be the most effective thing for your organization. I feel like that's a little bit of a hit and run approach. And if we really want to affect lasting change and have lasting impact on your people, make it about them. It's not about me. If we really want to have lasting change on your people, I'm going to suggest a partnership approach. May I have permission to give you a few ideas? So I got their permission, right? That's part of a, you know, Zig Ziglar clothes. Do I have permission to tell you a little more? I said, really, what I would love to do is partner with your organization. And now I customize this depending on who I'm talking to. This particular organization, I said, during your, your pay plan transition for the next 13 months, I would love to partner with you. I would love to do your leadership keynote, your major event keynote, as well as do a monthly video with your team. Anyway, I just threw out some ideas. They loved it. They said, you're exactly right. We don't need one keynote. We need a voice of authority in their heads. We need a partner for this. And they said, give us your number. (laughs) And I did. I had already given it a little thought. I threw out a number. They agreed too quickly. And I said, dang it. That means I should have, you know, asked for more. And they said, nope. You know what? You're so honest in your approach. And we so love this idea. We trust you. For this number. Now, this particular client, so instead of getting it all up front or whatever, I actually put them on retainer. We split that up over the 13 months. So now I have this great recurring fee right. with them, plus what I do, which, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's really nice. Totally. It's really nice to know that's coming in. As a result, their people love me. We're really seeing some results. They're very familiar with me. And they are now seven months into this contract. They are now saying, we want to plug you in here and here. Can we have a conversation about up-leveling your contract? Which is a really nice way to be. Okay, so that conversation then led me to look at all my other booking conversations differently. Now, there are some companies that I really only want to go speak once for. Yeah. (laughs) There are some that you're like, oh, that'd be great. That's either in my town or that's, you know, perfect. Sometimes it doesn't lead to that conversation. But the conversation is, who else do you know that needs a speaker or who else do you know where we can affect change in the organization? However, there are some companies and I've identified 10 to 15 that I would really love to work with because you have to have a target or you miss it every time. And when they talk to me about doing a keynote, I say, that would be great. And I would love to address your organization. However, I don't know how that would look for affecting lasting change. And I talk about either a bundle of keynotes instead or doing some online training in addition to the keynote, some kind of continuity, something about, you know, partnering with their organization. And I do say it in the partnering term. Sometimes it just looks like three keynotes in the year. Sometimes it looks like going with them on a corporate tour in addition to the keynote. Sometimes it looks like creating, you know, some additional training for them. So it's a little different everywhere. And I have actually, when they said, let's get on a conference call and talk about that. I have actually said in two cases, I don't know that that's our most effective connection. I would love to come into the corporate offices on my own dime, have lunch with you and the team tour the company, see what your company culture is and make sure we're a great fit. And I'm at a hundred percent closing rate at this point. Are you doing that with local companies? 
No, I've gone to Arizona. I've gone to Florida. I've gone to several different places. And I think it speaks to them so much. Number one, that I do my research on the company and the culture before I get there. Plus I pay my own. I mean, most places in the United States, you can get there for less than $500. Most of the time it's two to 250, depending on where you're going. I typically go in and out the same day. There's no hotel stay. There's no anything else. It's a killer kind of a day, Mm -hmm. but what you're selling them is change and connection, partnership and relationship. How better to demonstrate than to show up. Right. So for maybe maximum $500 out of pocket. For potential huge. They've typically already talked to me about one keynote. So I know my husband will laugh and say, um, okay, so what's the outcome going to be today? I'll say, well, at the very least, I'm walking away with one keynote. That's what they called me about in the first place. And, you know, at a keynote fee of what mine is, that $500, it's still an okay risk, even if I get nothing else but the one keynote. But I can promise you I'm walking away with at least the one keynote and usually a bundle of keynotes or a contract. I really believe this other company that I'm working with, I believe we will have a long-term consulting contract. And that's opened up the door and changed my language for other companies who say, who else are you partnering with in this way? And what else have you done? I can now with confidence say, well, typically here's what I'm doing, or here's what we've seen that's very effective. And as you know, that's what the game changer is. When you change your confidence and you change the conversation, it changes the outcome of the contract. Right. Okay. That was three C's. We could write those down. That's beautiful. Okay. You said a bunch there that I want to dig into. I I made some notes here. Uh, That was good. It was very good. And I think, (laughs) well, I think your very opening analogy there in terms of the podcast is a great example of we had you on. And then I I think a great point there is afterwards. It's not like, Hey, we should do this again sometime. You should have me back to speak again. But like, here's a very specific thing that I know that I can speak to. And I think would be appealing and interesting to your audience. Cause that makes it a heck of a lot easier for me in this situation to say yes or no, or to determine if it's a fit versus like, you should have me do this again. Like, okay, well, now I got, now the burden's on me to come up right. with something, right? So I, I like that. So, okay, a couple things here. When you're offering kind of this package type of deal, are you doing, it sounds like it could go a couple different ways. Are you, where in the process are you doing this? Meaning if I'm a client, I reach out to you for a keynote, are you doing it from the beginning or is it more, I did the keynote, the keynote went well, we've established relationship. Now I'm pitching them something more. So like in our, like in our example- Yeah, I've actually done this before the keynote. When they contact me for the keynote or when I contact them and say, let me introduce myself. This is what I do. I noticed a couple of things about your organization that I wanted to make you aware of. I mean, I really approaching it from the fact of serving first, being helpful first. I went and spent a half a day in a guy's office in Florida and took with me three pages of notes on his website and on his team culture and some things that I just said, you know, I'd love to share some things with you that I noted that I think would make an immediate difference, you know, compared to this other company in the industry and this in the industry, I think this might be helpful. I mean, what he scheduled is what he thought was going to be 30 minutes. He like canceled his appointments and we spent kind of half a day. And now they're bringing me on with a consulting and speaking contract. I'm speaking for them this week, as a matter of fact. So he couldn't write the check fast enough. It was really kind of interesting. So I read a book a few years ago called, it's by Patrick Leoncioni, mm-hmm. Get Naked. Mm-hmm. It's the naked book. It's about going in to serve before you benefit. And the fact is your closing rate goes way up. Your value goes way up. And even 
you know, a lot of times you even will make a friend on the team who even if the company doesn't hire you, which hasn't happened to me yet, but even if the company doesn't hire you, you have this evangelist there that when they go to other companies or talking to other people in the field, they're like, this blew my mind that she came in and consulted with us and didn't, you know, even paid her own expenses and didn't have any expectation. And yeah, of course we hired her or, oh, I can't wait for us to hire her, you know, that kind of a thing. So that's how I've approached it. Now I can go back to other companies that I've spoken for and say, this is a new thing that I'm doing, or, oh, would this be valuable? Or, hey, let's catch up. Let's have lunch or let's catch up and talk about what's going on in your industry right now. Um, so there are a couple of ways to do that, but the easiest way is when you already have the conversation started. So when they're asking you for a keynote or when they're getting to know you, I have found that a couple of magic words are, here's how I typically am working with clients. Okay. And so when you're introducing new offerings or new speeches or new, whatever, here's how I'm typically working with clients, or here are a few things that are popular with clients. Here are a couple of approaches that seem to be working well with other clients. I like that. And it takes the ick away and it's just a really natural conversation. So on that note though, here's how I typically work with clients or here's what clients prefer. Here's how we can best help you or other clients. It seems like there's a lot of variables in there and it seems like there would need to be a lot of customization, meaning that one group may be like, you know, this event that we are asking you to speak at, this is the only event that we have. Now we may have some right. consulting opportunities, whereas you mentioned there's other groups that are like, we're not necessarily interested in consulting. We need three speeches this year to different yeah. audiences or same audiences. So you so have to do your research. You have to know what the company does. You have, you can Google their events. You can, you know, go to their Facebook page. You control what they do. I typically have that in my head before I show up. So like I said, my husband, he'll laugh because he'll say, well, at least I know you're coming home with one keynote, but I typically go in with about three suggestions. So one would be your keynote, which I know include your leadership retreat, your top incentive trip, and your national convention. I mean, you just need to know. You need to know your market. You need to know what they do. So our friend that did the real estate tour, you know, he knew what cities the tour was on last year. So he could be a little familiar, you know, when his uh, agency booked him for this year. So I typically go in with a few options. Now, if they're a company that I don't want to be ingrained with, I'm not even going to offer the consulting option. Right. I'm just going to say bundle of keynotes or your corporate recruiting tour or whatever that looks like. So I do think you have to do a little bit of legwork. And this is where some speakers can get really lazy. And, you right. know, these speakers and I know these speakers. I just want the gigs to come to me and I just want to show up and pick up the microphone. That's not how I work. I really want to be a great fit. I really want to know the market before I get there. I want to change my language before I get there and use some of those specific examples. But as far as customization, yeah, I have a couple of different packages I would offer. If they want consulting, that's one package plus keynotes, you know, that kind of thing. And then I, I kind of even have numbers in mind before I get there. If you don't, you relinquish control. So it sounds and like it, even going back to the podcast example, the more specific you are going into it, instead of saying... I will do this event and two other events of your choice, but I will do this event plus this, you know, this national conference plus this retreat plus the sales training. And here's the topics for each of those. The more specific yes. you are with it, the easier it is for them to say yes. Yeah. So from a pricing standpoint, let's just say for round figures, a typical keynote is, and I don't know your fee. So let's just say $10,000 for a keynote. So yeah, so my fee right now is 15,000, which includes travel domestically. So then if you're going to do three 
keynotes over the course of a year, is that going to be, are you discounting that? Is that just a flat 45? Like how does that math work out? Well, it just kind of depends. I've not had anybody, I mean, usually I bundle it all in. So I may say, you know, so the last one, I'll throw in a speech at your leader day too, which is the day before, and I won't charge you for that keynote. So it's really kind of a buy three, get one free. Right. You know, the thing I'm doing this weekend is in Texas. It's 15 minutes from my house and they're paying full fee and I don't have any travel expenses. So what I did to get the immediate decision on that one, I said, I'll even speak at your leader dinner the day before at no additional fee. Normally I charge full keynote for both, but I'll throw that one in. Well, it's a night before it's a 30 minute dinner speech. It also warms up those leaders so that they hype up their people the next day. I mean, it's a win-win for me. So I like to throw value in instead of discount, Gotcha. if that makes sense. On my consulting contracts, I never do an hourly rate, but I kind of look at, okay, what would those keynote fees be? Plus, how much am I showing up monthly in the Facebook group or in, you know, on the video training? And then what would be great for me on that? When am I getting on a plane? When am I not getting on a plane? So there are a few customizations in that, but I mean, that was easily a six-figure package and they were happy to pay it. You know, but you also have to look at your contract and say to prevent scope creep, like, okay, now that we're looking at working with a couple of different other leaders or doing a couple of other videos, now we go back to the drawing board and say, what do we need to add as an addendum or what do we need to reevaluate there? Or is this a separate budget or department altogether? So you do have to know your stuff. You have to research your companies, but I'm telling you, it's made life a lot easier as far as instead of doing the one keynote and then going to hunt for more keynotes, Mm -hmm. creating some packages. And also just in a really selfish kind of way, if you know they're doing a trip to China or you know they're doing a trip to Hawaii, you can put those in your contract and say, and I'll throw this keynote in for nothing. I'll do this and this, and then I'll do the Hawaii for free plus expenses. You can work at lots of different ways to benefit your family, to benefit yourself, but also then you've got the pictures of you speaking at resort locations and some vacations. (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk about the budget piece for a second, because like if you're talking with an initial client and they reach out and we're interested in in having you come in and you know, we have a budget for this particular event for our keynote for 15,000. And now all of a sudden in our conversation between other possible speaking engagements and consulting, we've gone to significantly more than that. Do you find any clients that are pushing back? Like we just don't have it in the budget for a six figure deal when we're just looking for a $15,000 keynote. So then what you say is, well, if you have a speaker budget per event that comes out of the event budget and then consulting would come out of training and education budget, you know, or freelance. So that's when you have to help them think a little differently. Like, and we're aware that those would come out of different budgets or different pots, you know, but so let's put our thinking caps on and think how we best benefit your sales force. It's not about benefiting me. It's about us partnering to best benefit your sales force. So let's be creative. This comes out of the event budget. So if you need to issue that check separately, that's totally fine with me. And then the consulting check, you know, will be different. That's, you know, that's up to them. So I think it's just a matter of creative solutions. My guess would be that this whole idea would work better in some industries and with certain clients compared to others. Do you feel like there are some that, like, can you give us some, even just some broad examples of what are some of the industries or spaces that you have done this with the versus others where it may be difficult to pull off? 
Yeah, I think educational industries would be difficult because their budgets are use it or lose it kind of budgets. They don't tend to have a lot of continuity. You know, they're like, well, we're booking our convocations for the year and they don't want continuity. They want to keep their kids interested and they're not looking at that kind of flow. I think when you're looking at insurance industries, real estate industries, anybody with a sales force, anybody with a workforce, continuity is a good thing. You talk about a lunch and learn series. You talk about a Thursday's thought session. I mean, sometimes I think they only just pick up what they knew from the people before them. And I think right now, continuity and culture, use the words culture, continuity and culture and engagement, you know, whatever the buzzwords are in the top 20 business books right now, use those and help them think differently. Let's talk about a corporate culture package for your people. What does that look like for you this year? What if we looked at a series of this, this, and this? Then I think I think a lot of industries, this would be really great. I think educational would be tough and anybody related to educational. But I think almost every other industry would work, even in tech. Um, of course, if you're looking at tech and different conferences, a lot of those conferences only happen once a year, and like HubSpot and content marketing and those kind of things. So I I think that those one-off kind of conferences wouldn't be conducive to that unless you get into the parent organization and you say, you know, how can I help provide content for your membership or for your ongoing learning series or for your magazine? Again, I believe this squarely puts the burden of research and creativity on us instead of having our one or two keynotes that we just want to show up and spout them. If that's the kind of keynoter you are, perfect. That's great. But I'm a mama of four And I love working at home. I don't mind getting on a plane every once in a while. But the fact is, if I only got on a plane once a month, I'd be totally okay with that. But I don't want to limit myself to 12 paid gigs a year. So then how do I turn those 12 paid gigs into a monthly check? Right, right. Well, that means some things like this. That means some Facebook group. I have one group that I pop into their Facebook group one time a week to encourage their people for four minutes, four minutes, one time a week, in addition to showing up at their keynotes three times a year. I think it makes us look, you know, how are we going to position ourselves in the marketplace? How can we be unique? And I think that my reputation in the industry is going to be very, very different than your keynotes that come and show up and then leave. These sales forces and these employees and these teams feel like they're knowing me, they're learning from me, and that I'm investing in them. And so that allows me to be on the plane less, but it actually allows me to connect more and also to have a more predictable income. Honestly. No, I think there's definitely that upside of having that familiar face that audiences are familiar with, that the team is familiar with. We know how Carrie works. We like working with her. It's just kind of that throwing on an old pair of shoes. Like we just, uh, it's comfortable. It fits. It works. The, the possible objection is that in a lot of conferences and a lot of events, even if you show up and do a phenomenal job, they want different speakers because they want some of the audience to turn over. I know in my experience, there's oftentimes where you are great. We would love to have you back in four or five years because again, we want different faces. We want different speakers. We want to hear different voices. So in that environment, are you getting any type of pushback along those lines? 
Well, you know, it's like I said earlier, this is an approach you use with every single client. Mm -hmm. There are some that you honestly only want to go once or you're okay with it every three, four or five years. Or, you know, I talked to somebody the other day that they were an MC for an event every year. They were never the keynote. They were the MC and they liked it. It paid the same as their keynote, but it was a different level of connection for them. So I think you don't necessarily have to transition your entire business to this model, but what if you had one client that was on a monthly retainer or that had secured every gig for now through the next 13, 14 months? What if, you know, that would be super helpful for you. And if you release a book, that's a great audience for you to release your book to, right? Your partnership with that organization. But yeah, you're absolutely still going to have your people that are every four years, every five years. What I would say to them though, is use them as a referral source. Like who else do you know that's booking events or what companies do you know, or those kind of things? Uh, Where else could I be of use? And I think we're just not having enough of those conversations. Let's wrap up on that note where let's say you go in, you know, it's like, I don't want to do this like long-term deal with them. Maybe that's not what they're looking for. I'm going to go in, I'm going to do one, maybe two keynotes this year with them. And then they'll, you know, hopefully they'll have me back in a few years. So you said that kind of really leveraging and focusing on each individual client that you work with to turn that into gigs, not necessarily just with that client, but with other potential clients. So what have you found that works or what do you do before, during, or after the event to get referrals for other potential events? Yeah, that's a great thought. Typically, corporate staff has some turnover and they go to similar organizations. When they leave, Mm -hmm. I stay in touch with them. I have one friend who's now at his fourth corporate sales team since we met. So always I congratulate him on his move, ask him how I can serve, you know, those kind of who can he refer me to. Also, your industry events that have several influencers, make sure you're connected and plugged into those. But I think follow-up is a good thing. Also, when you are talking to people before or after the event or even on social media and they say, oh, my husband works for, you know, financial planners, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling him all about you. Don't just say, thank you. That's so nice. Say, that's great. Thanks. Where can I follow up with him? I would love to be of service. I would love to be of value. And then... Some of my best gigs actually come from people at the organization. When they reach out to me on social media and say, ah, our company needs you, our company needs you, I private message them and say, who is the contact person? Who's my point person? Could you introduce us, tell them what you just told me, and then follow up with them? So again, I'm not being a lazy speaker sitting and waiting for them to come to me. I am doing my research. I am following up. I do use their language. I spoke at an event recently and I used, you know, I referred to their products and their language instead of doing just, you know, what would come straight from a book. And uh, that's the number one feedback I got from the event planner was they were so receptive to you because they felt like you had done your homework, like you knew them, like you cared enough to be familiar. But also don't overlook the event planners at a hotel. So here's one tip. Like if you go into the Gaylord Texan and there's a big list of 10 different conferences are there, they are all going through the sales team and the events team. Go introduce yourself to the sales and events team. Go give your card, your information, your book to the sales and events team and say, when you're booking these people, you know, number one, do you have their information? Can I contact them? Number two, if you have folks that say, hey, do you know any local speakers or do you know anybody that's speaking to other things? 
here's my information. I would love to serve. I would love to help. So I think it's just a matter of planning ourselves in some of those places too. To put a bow on this, it seems like, and this isn't exclusive to just, you know, kind of the strategies we've been talking about, but just the speaking industry in general, and you've kind of alluded to it, that it's just a heck of a lot simpler when a speaking engagement just falls in your lap and somehow magically they found you and they reach out to you and it all works out. But I find that a lot of the engagements that I get are because I'm just hustling and working hard and following up and researching. And again, there's kind of the misconception that if you build it, they will come. And there's certainly there's certainly speakers that we know who they are just in constant demand and it works really well for them and they've caught lightning in a bottle. But for 99.9% of speakers, like that's not the case. The reason that we get booked isn't because we are some you know special something. It's because we just work really, really hard to build relationships and get the engagement. So have you found that to be the case with you? Uh, is just because like, you're just staying after it and following up and researching and doing like the non-glamorous, non-sexy, tedious part of sales and business that nobody sees that you've been able to be successful as a speaker? Yeah, there's a couple of things that go in line with that. And first of all, the people that we know that are in constant demand, it's because they're cranking out their books like crazy too. I mean, if we can say they're not hustling for gigs, they're not necessarily hustling for gigs, but they're hustling somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? They're right. They just have a different lever point than we do, or they have so many years in that they just have general knowledge, right? But that being said, it doesn't even have to be that tedious. It can actually be fun. If we put this in terms of like dating, what's easier? A hundred first dates where you're having to go impress people and woo them and be charming and not get stuff in your teeth or a couple of first dates and then like everything gets easier second date third sure. date fourth date so it's a little bit like that but what i found is i was more willing to put myself out there when number one i was i felt physically like really great physically in alignment when i had updated marketing materials like when my website was cuter and my pictures were better when I was really clear on some topics I wanted to say, don't be one of those speakers that says, oh, I can talk about anything in the realm of business because people cannot make a decision on that. Right. It's like saying, where do you want to go eat? And your wife says, oh, just anywhere. It's fine. Nobody, that we cannot <laughs> make a decision based on that. Right. But, you know, being, connecting with real people, not being afraid to say what you do, posting pictures of what you do, not in a boastful sort of way, but just in a, hey, I got this text. You've seen me do this a lot. I got this text from my kids right before I got on stage. Am I boasting about being on stage or am I talking about what my kid did? But I'm also being super clear about what I do, right? Yeah, so right. Well, I think also making people aware of what you do. I'm also really good at follow-up. I send the event team like fruit basket or cookie basket or some kind of follow-up. I send thank you notes. Gratitude in this business is really important. Gratitude for podcasts. You've gotten thank you notes from me. Yep. So gratitude for podcasts, gratitude for referrals, gratitude for somebody posting something about your book, gratitude for speaking engagements. The minute you settle into diva celebrity or that's what you want, then I think that's where people kind of start getting turned off. So yes, we would all like the perfect mate, the perfect child, the perfect whatever to drop into our lap. But the fact is you have to go where those people are, let people know who you are. There's still, you know, a large, large, large portion of the speaking world that has no clue who Carrie Wilkerson is. You know, I can be niche famous in a couple of different circles, 
but I can't get complacent with that and say, why is nobody calling? I have to say, why don't I call them? Why don't I update you know, my materials and send some of those out? And, and the best way to set a target, I love Ultimate Sales Machine by the late Chet Holmes. He was a Twitter mentor of mine is what I call him. Uh, he adopted me on Twitter and gave me some good advice, but his book is amazing. And the best part of that book for me has been the Dream 100 list where you actually list the top places you want to speak for, work for, work with, whatever. And I typically have a list of 15 or 20 on my whiteboard at a time, stages I want to be on, people I want to speak for, companies I want to work with. And here's the deal, Grant. When I market to those places intentionally or connect with those offices intentionally, I never get through the entire 15 because I get so busy with work from the top three or four. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and one of those clients that I'm so busy with right now and so blessed by right now is a client that started contacting me about three and a half years ago. And then they kind of dropped the ball and then they picked it back up again. And then finally this year I went, you know, it's time. It's time. I've been watching that organization. It's time. I'm going to hit them up again. And they were so happy that I followed up. They had gotten so busy with their growth. They had dropped the ball. And so I just cannot overemphasize relationships and connections and follow-up. It really will make the difference between you scraping by or being frustrated or being comfortable in what you're doing. Yeah. Well said, Miss Sassy Carrie Wilkerson. We appreciate your time as always. I look forward to as soon as we stop recording here for you pitching me on the next uh, <laughs> your next appearance and making the recurring guest possible. So, if people want to find out more about you and stalk you and see what you're up to, where can we go? CarrieWilkerson.com. I spell it like Stephen King's girl. C A R R I E. CarrieWilkerson.com. There's a free video series. There's stuff on the blog, even though I don't blog very often. But that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you, Miss Carrie. All right, there you go, my friend. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Carrie Wilkerson. Again, you can find more about her over at CarrieWilkerson.com. Great stuff there. And again, I love the strategies here of not just doing from one gig to the next gig to the next gig, but how do you actually take this one individual gig and turn it into multiple engagements or a consulting client or turn it into something more than just a single check and a single opportunity to make an impact, but how do you scale that? So some great insights from Carrie here. Hey, again, let me remind you to definitely check out Free Speaker Workshop. Com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. And I would love for you to, uh, to come hang out with us over there where we teach you all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements in our weekly live trainings. All right, my friends, hope you have a great rest of the day. You're awesome. <laughs>